<laughs> Good morning. I want to be in Kurt's family. expressive of what God does for us. You know, and Matt reminded us of the prodigal. We often think of this, this prodigal being the, the son and his, his, his kind of spending all that God had given him, but really, it is God who is lavish. It is God who, who is extravagant in his love. And it's inspiring and humbling to think that we all are a part of this great plan of God. The plan of God, and this is an overused word perhaps in, in our day and age, but the plan of God is absolutely epic. It is absolutely amazing. You know, you sit down and you talk with someone who, you know who is older, and I say older even than myself, perhaps 75 years old and, and, and up, and ask them what they have seen in their lifetime. The changes that have taken place in technology and advancements in, in medicine really is unbelievable, and they provide a, an interesting perspective on what we see today and perhaps what we take for granted today. If you were to talk with an African American who during the Civil War and, and what they had, had seen, and even though President Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation that all persons held as slaves are henceforth shall be free, but that did not mean that they enjoyed all of the freedoms of a citizen. And it took some hundred years for that really to become a reality. They only looked and welcomed that thought from a distance, from afar. And in Jesus' day, the Jews were anticipating this great Messiah who would come and establish a kingdom for a thousand years, this, this king and this kingdom was talked about. You imagine speaking about this kingdom during a time of captivity. And prophets were talking about this Messiah would, would come, but it was in the midst of captivity. When there was no sign at all that there would be a king and be a kingdom and someone who would rescue them. And so they only saw it and prophesied and spoke about it with dreams and anticipation of something that would happen in the future. And so as we are jumping back into the book of Luke, turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. And so Jesus, now the Messiah, the Anointed One of God, has come. Emmanuel, God with us, has come. And the angels announced it in Luke chapter 2, 
I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is Christ, the Anointed One. He is the Lord. And as we read about and talked about in, in our study of Luke so far, even the spiritual world, the demons exclaimed that Jesus was the Holy One of God, the Son of the Most High. And yet still in the midst of all of this, the world did not recognize Jesus. They still longed for this King who would establish their kingdom. And they had plans for this Messiah that were totally different and are totally different than the plans that God had. And as we pick up Luke chapter 10, it begins and it says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of Him to every town and place where He was about to go. After what? A little review if we look back. Jesus now is resolute. He is on His way to Jerusalem. And what is the plan of God? That He would die. That this Messiah would not reign necessarily on earth and, and establish a physical kingdom, but this Messiah would in fact die. And even His closest followers were like, really? <laughs> I, I can't understand that. But Jesus made it very clear that this was a part of the epic plan of God. And He had challenged those who would come after Him. That those who would claim to be His disciples in Luke chapter 9, that would call themselves followers, that they would, like Him, deny themselves, that they would take up their cross, and that they would die, and that they themselves would not be ashamed of Him or His words. And in the last section that we read before we had you know, our great campaign on heaven, Luke chapter 9, verse 57 to 62, and this is where it takes off. After this, we remember that will you sacrifice the comforts and the priorities? Will you place me above every other relationship in your life? Will you go and will you proclaim the kingdom of God? And when you start this journey, Will you carry it on to completion to your very death or will you look back? That is what he has just laid out. The charge before this passage. And so now he selects 72. Just like he did with the 12 earlier on in, in, in chapter 9. He gives them a charge. They are told to go as heralds to prepare the way as Jesus makes His way to Jerusalem. He is in the final stretch. He will never pass through these towns again. 
Much of his ministry has been around the, the, the Sea of Galilee. They have seen and heard amazing things. And he will never pass that way again. So he's, he's saying to those people, go and, and, and say that I'm coming. And prepare them. Begin to share the good news. And so they begin, and we'll read later on, as we study that passage, that Jesus will go through these towns on his way to Jerusalem. So let's read the rest of chapter 10. At least to uh, verse 24. Verse 2, he told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. There's a sense of urgency in Jesus' words. The harvest is ready. Go. You only and we only have a short period of time. If you've ever worked on a farm, harvest is a short period of time. When a harvest is ready, you need all hands on deck to bring in that harvest. If you don't, it molds, it, mil- it mildews, it, it gets infested by, by insects, and you've lost the harvest. And this is the sense of urgency that Jesus is now saying to them. The harvest, it is ready. Now is the time to be prepared. If we don't, we will lose the harvest. But it's plentiful. I just lack the, I lack the workers to bring this in. So go. And this word for asking means, I beg you. I beg you. Send out the workers. Go. I am sending you. I'm casting you. I'm throwing you. This, this, this word is descriptive when Jesus cast out a demon. Get out of him. That is the urgency that Jesus says, Go! I'm sending you. I'm casting you out with that sense of urgency and passion and conviction. Just the same that Jesus did. That demon, get out of that man! That's the same word. Do you see the passion that Jesus wants us to understand and wanted them to understand? They need to go. The time is now. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into the streets and say, Even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet, we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is still here. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. You know anything about the Old Testament? There was no city left. There was nothing. This, this, this. 
this town was known for incredible wickedness. And Abraham looked at it and thought, surely there's got to be some righteous people in this city. You could go back and read Genesis 18. Couldn't even find ten. Finally, Abraham kind of was resolved that, I guess God really does know what he's doing. He really does have insight into how wicked this city is. And the only solution is let's, it needs to be wiped out. Those who reject God, it's more bearable for Sodom than for that town. We'll talk more about this in a few minutes. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! These are some of the areas in and around the Sea of Galilee. For if the miracles that were performed in you were performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. The cities of Tyre and Sidon, if you, if you, you read it through the books of Isaiah, are really known for their pride and, the, and their resistance to God's message. And so Jesus is saying, you're, you're worse off than these towns who rejected me you know, years ago. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the skies? No, you will go down to the depths. He who listens to you listens to me, but he who rejects you rejects me, but he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. Then we see a little bit of a transition here. The 72 returned with joy. Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. You think you saw some great things? I saw, I see some amazing things. And this idea of, of Satan falling, I really believe is, is descriptive of what has happened in the past, in his standing before God, if you read the book of Isaiah. But what is currently happening as well, that, that as they preach God's word and his demon and demons are cast out and people are healed, Satan's kingdom is being defeated. But it also is indicative of what is going to happen in the future. That Satan's time is short. He is on a slippery slope. He will not ultimately last. And so it's kind of a past, present, and future tense that Jesus is saying, Satan's going down, man. He is going down. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, this is very important. Do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. I never fully understood this and never really got this before. But as I started studying this, the response of Jesus is amazing. At that time, Jesus full of joy through the Holy Spirit. It, it, it means that He was exuberant. He was leaping for joy. He was praising God. I praise You, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because You have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, and You've revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, this was Your good pleasure. He's praising God. This idea of praise means to confess. To confess the greatness of God. But it's more than that. It's to confess as, as one language. 
together. So he's saying, God, I'm on the same page. You are amazing. I mean, the things that we are seeing happen, I'm leaping for joy. I'm praising God. Again, that Satan's kingdom is being defeated. It was not a wimpy, into himself prayer. It was, he was out of himself. He was excited. He was exuberant. He was joyful. That is what, how God feels about our, the harvest. I've read over this many times and go, yeah, cool, God, Jesus is excited. No, He is flat fired up by what is taking place. But more importantly, your names are written in heaven. Remember that. All things have been committed to me by my Father. Verse 22. No one knows who the Son is except the Father. And no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Then He turned to His disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you, many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see but did not see it. And to hear what you hear but did not hear it. Let's pray. We dive more into this passage in a minute. Father, what an amazing passage of Scripture that we are about to to look at. Father, I pray that we are inspired by the fact that we are a part of your epic plan. That it includes us. Yes, us. Thank you. Father, inspire us this morning and and, and convict us to, to, to realize we need to go. We need to be sent out. Help us to understand our names are written in heaven. But also help, help those who are here today understand that if their name is not written in heaven, that there is a woe, there is a sense of urgency that they need to have. Father, use your word this morning to inspire us to make decisions that will follow you and be right with you. We want every single one of the people here today to have their names written in heaven. Help us all to make decisions today to follow you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of the lesson really is The Epic Plan of God. I look at this passage and I, and I, I think there are three certain categories, which hence I will have three points. The first point is simply go. Go. Why? The harvest is plentiful. We go to work or school. We walk past people every day who are a part of God's harvest. We go to restaurants. We get our oil changed. We buy things at the store. And we come home some days without giving a thought to the people that we have passed and come into contact with. And then we say, the harvest is not plentiful. Where are all the open people? But we've walked past them every single day. And we pray about the things that we want God to do in our lives. But are we begging Him? Are we begging 
for Him to lead us to those open people because we are confident and have faith the harvest is plentiful. We just need to get out there and things will happen. Really appreciate Ed is really trying to challenge those of us on staff with what it means to walk and keep in step with the Spirit. To be aware of, of the Spirit's prompting in our lives as we live our lives. You read the book of Acts and even through the Gospels. What does the Spirit do? It prompts, it convicts, and it leads people to other people who are seeking God. Through the book of Acts, the Spirit is, is, is prominent in, its, in His working to bring people to a relationship with God. That same Spirit... If you are a Christian and a disciple, that same Spirit is in you. That same Spirit wants to do the same things in your life, in my life. It wants to prompt you, to lead you to open people. He still wants to lead us. He knows who is seeking. But how many times do I ignore the Spirit's prompting in my life? And I go to a store, and I leave. I go to a restaurant, and I leave. And it's been exciting. As as Joyce and I have been praying and thinking about to to, to live differently over the last few weeks. I've been been keeping a journal every single day about the things that the Spirit is prompting me to do. And as I go to to Farm Fresh, invite that person. Start a conversation. Ask them about heaven. And so I do. There are times that I haven't. There's the battle going on in my own life. Will I listen to God's Spirit? Or will, will, will I quench it? And will I listen to my own nature? God wants to do great things through us. God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and of love and self-discipline. 2 Timothy 1.7 We don't need to go into these situations timid and insecure. What will other people think? Who cares? What about our involvement in the community? When it says go, yes, you go into the, you know, we, we invite the, the, the clerks and the people that we run into daily in our lives. But what about going into our communities and staying there, so to speak? Because that was the charge here of, of, the, of the 72. Go in a town and stay there. What, what is that descriptive of to me? Build some relationships. Stay there and make an impact. So what, what, are, what are we doing? What are you doing in your community, in your neighborhood, in your school, in your workplace? Go and stay there. Have lunch with coworkers. Have lunch with fellow students and friends at school. Have people into your home. Have meals. Entertain. It doesn't have to be boring. Going does not have to be boring. 
And it's exciting. Again, as Joyce and I have been thinking about, okay, what about our neighborhood? What about people? What, what, who, who can we have in our home? Who can we invite ourselves over for dinner? We're going on Monday night to, to, to someone that we've been reaching out to. And, and Joyce invited herself to dinner. Cool. Want to get them to church? He's a, he's a, uh, he's a pilot who trains at, at Oceania. He, tra- he trains the other pilots. I want him to meet Bill and the, some of these other guys. I, I, I it's cool stuff, but it's exciting to, to, to realize we, we need to be part of something. What opportunities is God placing in your path if you got out of your world and into God's world? We've got to go. Amen? But there's opposition. Yeah? Jesus told them that they would be like lambs among wolves. What image comes to your mind? Nice and peaceful? Happy place? No. But Jesus charges them, go and preach whether they listen or they don't listen. The kingdom of God is near when those who listen. The kingdom of God is near when those who, who don't listen. But we take it personal. The person rejects my invitation. They're rejecting me. How different would I be if I changed my thinking to realize that they're not rejecting me. They're rejecting Jesus. They're not just rejecting Jesus. They're rejecting God who made this whole plan to save us up. They're rejecting my dad. They're rejecting my brothers and my sisters. You know, when I was a kid, we have one of these family curses, kind of hereditary traits. Most of us, my dad, myself, my sister, all were, we have what is called a lazy eye. So when we were young, we looked cross-eyed. That one eye would go in and, and I was teased and I would get into fights. You, 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 don't, you don't call me cross-eyed. But you especially do not call my sister cross-eyed. She was three years younger than me. And I, with all my energy, would lay a beating on you if you said that. But what's my point? It's, it's, it's my dad that you're saying these things about. It's, it's my brothers and my sisters that, 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 that you're rejecting. We, we gotta have some indignance. We gotta have some fire. And again, I'm not going saying that we're, we're, if someone rejects you, we're gonna go, we're gonna, no, 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 please. I, I'm not saying that at all. You said no, what? <laughs> but I am saying, we gotta stop taking it personal. Stop taking it personal. It's wimpy. I don't wanna be a wimp. We're going to have pers- we're going to have persecution. We're going to have opposition. You've got to realize there's punishment that awaits those who don't respond. It reflects our society, our religious society. They're the ones that rejected Jesus. 
They'll soon put him to death, as we'll read as we continue to look at Luke. It will not go well for them in judgment. Jesus is saying, it's going to happen. You're going to have persecution. You're going to have challenges. I don't care. Go. Go. And we need to rejoice in the right things. You know, the 72 came back. They were all fired up that God had, God had, has working through them. And Jesus says, I saw Satan kind of fall. And I shared about that. I mean, this, this is this past, present, and future. But guys, remember that your names are written in heaven. That's what I want you to understand. I don't want you to look at just all, all the things that God has done. Having authority and having power and having impact has an amazing way on the human heart to turn us prideful. And we begin to see results even in evangelism or an impact and reaching out to our community. And we go somehow, some way, in subtle ways, we go, wow, look at us. Look at what we have now done. God wants to continue to remind us that it's not about you. It's not about your plans. You know, in a few weeks, we want to have a great celebration. We want to have a church service. And we want to have a tailgate party. We hope and pray that many, many, many people will come to hear God's Word preached. But it is just simply a medium. It's not something that we go, wow, look at us. What amazing things we have done. No, it's, it's, we, we just have simply gone and helped people hear about God. It's never, ever about us. I think one of the, the reasons why we, why we stop sharing our faith is that we focus on the results of it and not the fact that our names are written in heaven. And so I stop sharing because I've been rejected. Because no one seems to want to come. But I forget, I'm going to heaven. My name is inscribed there. When you write in stone, the only way that comes away is you break that thing. Our names are inscribed in heaven. That needs to give you fuel for the fire in your gut to share your faith. So the first point was go. The second point is woe. You can't escape the fact in the middle of this passage, there's some pretty strong warnings. And what impact does the preaching of God's Word have on your life? Like I said, the, pro the prophecies against Tyre and Sidon in the Old Testament are ones of pride and lack of humility. Jesus, in Jesus' day, the, the cities around the Sea of Galilee had seen amazing things. What about America? In God we trust. The religious America who have seen God and the Bible for generations. And yet, like Ezekiel the prophet warns, my people come every Sunday as they normally do. And they gather together and they hear sweet things from the preacher and hear nice voices sung in the choirs and in the, in the, in the worship. And to them, you are nothing more than one who sings love songs with a beautiful voice, for they hear your words but do not put them into 
practice. And God forbid that that is your heart. Isn't it sweet, the songs that we hear on Sunday? I never know what to take, and I, I give the benefit of the doubt sometimes. Oh, that was a great sermon. I, will, I want to preach God's Word, but I hope that's not a response of that, that was nice. That was nice. But then you leave, you walk out that door today or any time in the future or past, and, and you, you don't make any changes with your life. And I'm talking about every single one of us. We cannot sit and we cannot hear God's Word preached without making changes. We can't. And woe to us if we do. Woe to me if the Word becomes complacent and does not bring about change in my life. Because when it says reject, it means it becomes null. It becomes void. It has no effect. I disregard it and I cancel it out. No matter how eloquent it is, no matter how many props, no matter how much illustrations we have, it is null and it is void because you leave and you don't make changes in your life. Woe to you, Jesus says. Woe! And the warning of Sodom is a warning, make no mistake, that God someday will bring complete destruction to you who do not honor and respect the Word of God enough to make changes in it and follow it. Teens, as you've seen God working in other teens' lives, and you yourself have not made a decision, whoa, Whoa. Parents, brothers, sisters, friends who have visited and seen God work and, 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 and heard about the stories of how God has changed people's lives and brought salvation. And you come and you do not make changes and you do not get serious about your life. Woe to you. We walk around and we reject God's Word. No, I don't. Well, it has no effect. We disregard it. We cancel it. Well, it doesn't really mean that. We'll find out what it means. Dig in. And for those of us who are disciples, what effect is God's Word having in your life? Are you now learned? Are you now wise? Are you now discerning? Are you still a little child who with humility, excitement, and joy is allowing God's Word to transform your life? Because God wants to have an effect on your life. He does not want any single one of us here today to experience the woe that He is talking about. And lastly, no. Go, woe, and no. Easy to remember. Know that your names are written where? In heaven. Know that God is with you. That He has commissioned you. That He has given you authority. 
And that's what we read about in this passage. Know that Jesus gets fired up. That you follow His plans and His purposes for your life. That He praises God. That the Holy Spirit is just waiting to break out in celebration as, as you make decisions, as you, as you go and you help share your life with people. That Jesus is, is confessing. He's praising. And, and, and that we are praising God one, as one voice. As people make decisions. As Penny did this month. As Charlie did this month. And on Tuesday, Keith Opkett did on, on Tuesday night. Became a Christian. Amen. Keith, go ahead and stand. He was here. There he is. Amen. God celebrates. We celebrate. We praise God. There, there are many more people like that, that. That God wants us to enjoy. That, that To be a part of something epic. Know that you are a part of something epic. The prophets and kings longed to see. So go, recognize the harvest is still great. Regardless of opposition. Remember your five that Ed challenged us with? That's one of my charges. Make this list and invite them to church or to your home. This, hear the spirits, spirits prompting to get out. Remember, God has our backs. And guess what? Your name is written in heaven. No one can take that away. Whoa! Don't leave here today without making a response to God's Word. Start studying the Bible. Do whatever it takes to get your life right with God. If you've not been responding to God's Spirit prompting in your life, then listen. Get with someone. Don't put it off. Do not walk out of that door without doing something with this message. Get right with God today, whatever that means. And know that you are a part of something epic. Something eternal. Let's take the lid off our lives. Let's not cap what God wants to do and His Spirit wants to do in our lives. Let's, like the 72, get out there and look forward to the praise that will flow as God does amazing things through us. We are a part of the epic plan of God. Amen?